Philly's Taboo Terrors presents an interview with filmmaker Jesse Seitz. Jesse Seitz and her partner, Marcus Cook, are the two responsible for this absolutely fantastic documentary called Beyond Horror, the history and subculture of red films. So this is a documentary that explores the history and subculture of extreme horror movies. And as a big fan of such films and the reason why I created Taboo Terrors, it was amazing to sit down with Jesse, an all-around wonderful, sweet person to discuss the origins of the documentary and just what she's up to these days. So I hope you enjoy it. So folks, I'm here with Jesse Seitz, right? Is that correct? Yeah, you got it. <laughs> Excellent. And we're going to do a little interview. So Jesse, why don't you give our listeners a little bit of a brief overview of who you are, what you do, what you're all about, you know, your little spiel. <laughs> <laughs> My little spiel. Well, I actually got started in the horror industry at 18 and um, I'm 35 now so almost just right at about half my life. I started with the motion picture company Wikipixel Cinema um, who was previously known for films like Scrapbook and Ice from the Sun and uh, I went on to help them produce and in some cases co-write several features um, including uh, Deadwood Park where I was the co-story writer, production designer and producer and then also Ratline which I was executive producer on. And uh, after that, I had a a brief stint, weirdly enough, uh, working um, with a (laughs) sideshow in Austin, Texas. Kind of uh, (laughs) took a a little like dip into the the world of performance arts and uh, got back uh, into filmmaking and um, have just been writing films, producing, directing, um, just like a little bit of everything. And more recently, I've actually focused my attentions for once (laughs) and I've I've been doing um, exclusively like directing documentaries and also working special effects that's amazing yeah you are a busy woman (laughs) (laughs) I try to keep out of trouble (laughs) yeah (laughs) well you definitely have like pretty diverse set of skills and how are you doing these days and how are you filling your time during this really unique pandemic as best I can. Um, It it was actually kind of, uh, it was really crazy as as it has been for everybody. So I guess like my, my pandemic story um, (laughs) is Mm -hmm. uh, uh, my husband, uh, Marcus Cook and I, we were, uh, we had just gotten off two back-to-back shoots as effects artists. And uh, one was actually uh, pretty big. I think since the film is announced, I can like let it slip. It was a Travis Stevens movie. So the same director as Girl on the Third Floor. Um, We were working effects on his movie and which was very lovely and we were in Mississippi for a month and we came back home and 
you know, had a bunch of other little things lined up for the documentary, uh, Beyond Horror, and also just other effects gags. And then, like, within one week, everything, like, went away. Um, And uh, understandably, you know, stuff had to get postponed or just, like, outright, like, canceled. So we're just like, oh, okay. (laughs) And that how, you know, we were expecting to finish out, like, you know, a significant rest of the year. So um, we've just been trying to come up with, like, different ways to sort of, like, stay on our feet, like, during this time. And uh, one of them that we've done is we decided to go ahead this month and do um, kind of like a limited screening of our documentary online um, since Mm -hmm. all the screenings had gotten canceled we were like well this gives people still a chance to like see it this month and then try to like generate some income that way and and we've just been taking like weird side gigs as they come in like Mm -hmm. you know if people need like (laughs) poster art you know or um you know like little editing gigs like here and there and so yeah we've we've basically just been kind of like floating for a few weeks Mm -hmm. and trying to evaluate that situation so it's it's really a wild time i mean for everyone and especially creatives you know because it's just like that's really not considered unfortunately like essential so it's it's hard to navigate when like all that's going to be back online I know, right? And that's almost top of my mind. My partner is a filmmaker. A good friend of mine is an actress and filmmaker. And just these all these people that I'm surrounded by. I mean, all of this is affecting us so differently. You know, all of us are affected by it in like such a different, different way financially in our careers, our day-to-day lives. And uh, creative folks, I mean, your work is based on leaving the house and seeing people and creating things out there. And I just, I feel so strongly and like, I just feel so bad badly for for you folks like my partner had a whole bunch of shorts lined up with a new crew that he's working with and now it's you know like when when are they going to be able to get that back together we just don't know and there's a friend of mine who's a musician who had the entire year planned out for tours and investments and different projects and everything's canceled and he's like the first time in my life I have zero things happening for the rest of the year and like that's terrifying that's it's terrifying. Like, when are you going to be able to make money? How are you going to be able to make money? Like, what are you supposed to do with yourself? That's just kind of horrifying. It's really crazy. And I, I will say that it's it's awesome to see how much people are kind of like coming out and supporting, you know, each other yeah. and like the artists that they love. And that's actually super, super heartwarming. I know like, for example, like a lot of conventions that had to cancel, then they would turn around and give like a bunch of press to like their vendors. I think things like that are really cool. And that's how we're going to like pull out of this you know because it's yeah. uh you know we we have to like rely on each other right now because it is it's it's super scary yeah you have to get creative so you know creative folks have to be now like creative like okay well what can I do from home to create content and I I'm loving all this uh free content that people are putting out there like seeing my friends just do random things online I mean I can't physically see them but I can see them do fun stuff you know whether it's free or not yeah the exposure the support has been overwhelming for for you folks and I think that's uh, I think that's really important it's really fantastic we all got to pull together through this yeah and I do think you know I I, I call myself the begrudging optimist <laughs> you know I, mm-hmm. I, I do think that we'll, we'll all pull out of this you know uh, I think that it's going to yeah. look very different like on the other mm-hmm. side and maybe some systems that weren't necessarily very fair <laughs> um, yes. aren't going yes. to do so well <laughs> and I don't know if that's necessarily like a bad thing <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, the arts will always survive. I mean, so, For sure. yeah, it's just a matter of, of how and when. <laughs> 
And definitely this is a time that uh, horror will thrive because, you know, it takes what's happening in our day-to-day lives that's terrifying to us and, and unique and just relevant and turns it into, you know, more films, more content. There's just always something to say. So I'm curious to kind of see where, where horror goes from here because this is a just an incredibly unique experience. So I'm excited to see where what happens. You know, again, you have to kind of think positively. Yeah, it, and I think that we're going to see, like, in regards to specifically to horror, like a resurgence in like the the micro budget, like really raw underground stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. One, because I think that's where people are going to be at mentally, you know, they're Mm -hmm. going to want something that really kind of bites back again, you know, because that ebbs and flows in popularity. But also because, you know, like micro budget cinema is resourceful and they'll Mm -hmm. be the ones that are creating things like during Mm -hmm. this. Because, I mean, if you can make something with the equipment that you have at home, and you know how to make a feature for $10,000 or less, you know, Mm -hmm. that puts you at such an advantage over people who are working more in like the half million, you know, $700,000 budgets. So weirdly enough, I think we're going to see just sort of a a pop in underground films, probably like in about a year, because that's like the only thing that's going to be able to get made for a hot minute. (laughs) Wonderful, wonderful point. Ladies and gentlemen, you're about to witness some scenes from the next attraction to play this theater. This picture, truly one of the most unusual ever filmed, contains scenes which under no circumstances should be viewed by anyone with a heart condition or anyone who is easily upset. So you recently started a documentary production company called 9393 Pictures. So instead of, you know, working for a production company, you created your own. So what was your inspiration to do that? And you're doing this with your partner, right? Yes. Uh, my husband, nice. uh, Marcus Cook, and I, we both have extensive backgrounds in film. Um, he's also mm-hmm. just been one of those people who's basically been doing it all of his life. I mean, he shot his first feature film when he was like... Like 14 so I mean, adorable. You know, he, he, he's been in it like forever you know and uh, you know we both each kind of had our own you know names that like we went under when we were doing our own projects <clears throat> but we came together and we wanted to do documentaries and mm. we were like you know let's like start like a new production company that really like focuses like on that and just sort of like a new way to sort of like present ourselves um Mm -hmm. and and show that there's like like a different areas that we're going to go into like of interest so people aren't necessarily like expecting like you know like a gore production you know or some like art house like film they they know that when they see like 9393 that that's like specifically like geared towards like a documentary investigation like research and and development things like that so yeah we we came up with that like a a year ago and it's uh it's been really awesome to like focus on this like different interest both him and i um are tremendous research nerds even like before we met each other and then Mm -hmm. you know (laughs) when two people with that combined um interests like come together it's like oh my god you know and so now like our house like literally looks like a mini museum slash you know harry potter library with like stacks of books of <laughs> the esoteric and all that and um we're you know it's it's very like exciting and so um it's been 
awesome to just sort of like explore this like part of ourselves. Excellent. Well, that's great. So speaking of this documentary production company, your debut documentary, it's called Beyond Horror, the history and subculture of red films. And I mean, this is what inspired me to get in touch with you for this interview and to review the documentary. So why did you want to have your first documentary to be on extreme cinema or extreme horror? We both have a love for it. I mean, first and foremost, Mm -hmm. um, both as creators and consumers, it's something that we both feel very passionately like about. And we kind of like noticed that there really wasn't like a documentary that went through the entire history and timeline. You can find a lot of documentaries on like Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, you know, or just like horror in general. And um, there's even like a really wonderful documentary um, about snuff films um, that's like available right now and that I encourage people to go out and see. It's just, it's titled Snuff. Obviously that's not quite like what we're talking about because it goes into like real snuff films and the subject of that. Mm -hmm. And we're like, there really wasn't anyone who had documented that we could find the timeline of stuff like Last House on the Left up through like the August Underground trilogy. And it's such a fascinating, like weird pocket of cinema. And so we just wanted to dive in and like speak to those like filmmakers and fans and really look at what is actually pretty controversial because even though everything in these movies is fake, I mean, there's people who will get very upset at you, you know, like when you like start Mm -hmm. like bringing up like Lucifer (laughs) Valentine and stuff like that. They're just like, oh my God, that's not even, you know, cinema. And our, our point is like, we really wanted to show that there is like legitimacy to these films. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that's the, why we just decided to rip the bandaid off and make that our first one. And I loved it. And so looking into this, I was, I guess, surprised, but then not surprised that there wasn't really anything else there out there that, you know, was a documentary style on this type of cinema. There's definitely lots of books, but I'm very much a visual person. So um, <laughs> though I love love reading, you know, horror academia and, you know, a lot of nonfiction. I love to watch stuff. I love documentaries, you know, true crime, the history of horror movies. I mean, last night I just watched um, Shudder's new series called Cursed Films and the first episode's on The Exorcist. So yes, I've read a lot about, you know, the issues surrounding that film, but I love watching this stuff. So when I saw that this was a thing, that there's this documentary on extreme cinema, I was so intrigued. And it is... Uh, a genre and subset of horror, which is my favorite genre of film and favorite medium overall. I agree. And I agree with you so much that there is legitimacy and an artistry behind so many of these films and you providing a voice for these artists, I think is fantastic. And I guess it's understandable, but like they don't realize that there's like a real human being behind these films a lot of times, you know, Mm -hmm. I think that it's easy to like look at them and be like, oh, well, that person's like just like a fucking degenerate, you know, and and all that. And it's like, well, no, there's like a real human being who's not as scary as you think they are, (laughs) you know, and had like very real reasons for making this. Exactly. And one of uh, the parts that I made note of, uh, one of my favorite parts is two things that really, really stood out to me. Um, one of them was Fred Vogel. So I've I've definitely read a lot about him. I've seen a couple of his films, not in a while. Uh, I have read about him and in interviews, like he's very just articulate. 
articulate and I think he's uh, an interesting individual. But in this, it's just, it shows just how insightful and thought provoking his films are and just how empathetic he is as a human being. And I was just I was so moved and even more fascinated by him. Had you met him before doing this documentary? I had actually. Um, Fred is uh, he's an awesome person. You know, um, he's always been like very supportive, like very kind to me. He actually wound up releasing one of Wicked Pixels movies, Dubba Park, um, for one of those like turns, um, which is the one that I was like very heavily like involved with and included mm-hmm. a documentary that I had made, like a feature length documentary onto that like release set. And, um, you know, we would meet up at conventions and like he would know who I was and I would know who he was, you know, and, um, you know, always like took the time to talk to me and was like very friendly and very cool mm-hmm. and very approachable, um, you know, which I appreciated because sometimes people who get like any sort of any level of notoriety (laughs) will just flat out like ignore everybody and it's really weird but um you know fred's definitely like not that person actually gives like a shit about the community um so i i had known him and then uh marcus had known him really well too prior to it but uh even in knowing fred for several years uh, when we sat down to talk to him i mean he shared things that he had not shared before like in any interviews Mm -hmm. um and very like intense stuff especially like I mean, the story about the hammer, <laughs> which I don't want to, you know, give yes, too much away from yes. that, you know, but we, we asked him, we're like, hey, can you like go into that? Are you comfortable with it? And he, you know, totally like broke it down. And um, it was really like incredible to hear filmmakers perspective about like, obviously, you're not responsible for violent behavior of yeah. others. But like when your work has like a tie in to something like that, mm-hmm. it, it's I, I can't even imagine and to hear a filmmaker really like talk through what that's like I think was really important and just also very heartbreaking completely again it's just giving a voice and a a face and a voice but I think more importantly a a voice to show compassionate interesting nuanced human beings and I think and the reason why I started the subset of spinsters of horror my horror project taboo terrors is because I've been for many many years really intrigued uh, by extreme cinema and extreme horror my old partner was a huge gore hound (laughs) and if I wanted to watch something spooky he was always just like no let's watch headless and Instead, let's watch a Serbian <laughs> film. I'm like, okay. <laughs> like, I'm up for it. And then if I found like a top 10 goriest, you know, most disturbing films ever made, I'm like, all right, go to, go find these somewhere and let's watch them. And that's kind of where we kind of, we definitely connected on on, on that level with, with horror. And so he showed me a lot of different movies and that kind of carried on into where I am today. And I know that there are some films that, yes, they probably don't have much to say. They're kind of there for the sake of, to be there and that's fine I think there's a place for that for sure but I think there are some films that actually some of these extreme films that have something to say and that's where my taboo terrors comes into play where I like dissect the films I'm like well let's take this element out of it okay like my next one is going to be on the woman which is when you look at the scale of the most extreme films isn't super high on the list but there is some there's child death in that there's like rape and torture good sweet bloody revenge but there's something to be said in that movie and that's where I like kind of come in and kind of take it apart a little bit and say yes this may seem very disturbing and unsettling and graphic it's hard to watch but there's something to be said here there's something underneath all of the blood and gore that's worthwhile talking about and makes these films worthwhile watching absolutely and I actually that's amazing that you're covering the woman because like I compare it almost 
close to like Girl Next Door, where these are not necessarily what you think of. Yeah, like right off the top of your head when you're like most extreme thing made, but like yeah. they really go there, <laughs> and they're yes. very like hard to watch, and they like elicit like a certain like response like from the viewer. And so I think mm-hmm. it's awesome that you're including that because um, yeah, that's one thing we kind of came up with in our documentary is there are some stuff in there that's like yeah, technically there isn't anything in here that like you couldn't like have on in the room for a general audience but it's the the Mm -hmm. tone and the way that they present it and Mm -hmm. yeah i think that those definitely lie in like the extreme cinema category for sure yeah and my other favorite part of beyond horror was your segment (laughs) and yeah i was not expecting to see you see your sweet face in the (laughs) in the documentary so i was kind of taken aback but it was like so honest and and also very moving very poignant and you made some incredible points I love that segment so again like showing the human beings behind all of this from the get-go of creating uh, Beyond Horror did you always plan on being a part of it in that way and sharing your story? It wasn't part of the original plan. Uh, definitely mm. not. I'm actually like weirdly camera shy when it comes to being like interviewed, <laughs> like with my face right. like on camera. Yeah. Like I am really comfortable in a situation like this where it's just my voice. But you know, when you put the camera like on my face, I'm like, oh God, yeah. like I'm going to blink like a thousand times and like <laughs> think I look weird, you know? So yeah. Um, yeah, that idea is like horrifying to me. So I didn't even like entertain it. But uh you know, as we got going with it, I'm like, you know, I just, I really wanted to tell like my connection with it because, um, it's something that I don't think that sometimes people really like realize how empowering these films are for women mm-hmm. and it wasn't coming out just like a whole lot like in the dialogue which is completely fine I mean we wanted people to like specifically share their experience you know and I didn't want them to speak to things like that they couldn't speak on you know but I was like I really want this to come through because like in the past I had been like very criticized for how much I liked these films like both mm. as a creator and as a maker and I was like I just I kind of want to spill my guts out so um you know I talked (laughs) to Marcus about it and he thought it was like a great idea so we just like you know rolled the camera and I was just like okay here's my thoughts on it (laughs) you know and I was like oh god everyone's gonna like probably like hate me for saying some of that shit but I really appreciate your words and and also people have like come up to me and like said that they really appreciate me saying that and like that it makes me like thankful for it because it's it's vulnerable right to like expose that like part mm-hmm. of yourself and uh it was uh definitely like out of my comfort zone so i'm glad people are responding to it in a positive way yeah and it added just such a, another dimension to the documentary so i mean you just have like really thought-provoking honest i'll say that again because like again talk about fred vogel and then we have the lucifer uh, valentine narrative that's on there and you and again it's having that juxtapose with all of the 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 scenes from all of these extreme horror movies and everything. It just was a really great balance showing again the humanity behind these films. So I thought that was a fantastic addition to it for sure. And there was a a note that you had made which was and we'll get into rape revenge because I think that's important to talk about but you had mentioned that these movies can be very cathartic for folks and you thought it was very cathartic for you. So what are some of your favorite movies that provide you with some kind of catharsis? 
I really do enjoy, like, I Spit on Your Grave. I think that that one is is pretty ultimate one for me. <laughs> um, it, it's just, yeah. it's so powerful, and it's so brutally honest. And, um, you know, as I was saying in the documentary, as, like, someone who has, like, survived things of that nature, you know, it's a breath of fresh air to, like, see it acknowledged for what it is, you know, which is ugly and mm-hmm. terrible, and not some kind of, like, weird fetishy you know how like yep. law and order portrays things is like very like kind of mind fucky you know because you don't yep. walk away thinking like oh rape is good after you watch law and order but also you're like but it's shown in this very like milk toast, not honest way and movies like spit on your grave are like really just blatantly honest about it and so that is uh, very cathartic for me and then um miss 45 i mean is <laughs> the top of my mm-hmm. list too yeah. i mean <laughs> It's just, it's beautiful, right? And, like, that's, like, still something that I like to put on, you know, even if I've had, like, a bad day, you know, and stuff. And it just, it's very, like, pressure releasing you know and um Mm -hmm. so i think that those two are like my favorites (laughs) um Mm -hmm. but i i really appreciate like them all you know and like the actresses who will just go there for those films i mean they deserve like all the awards (laughs) you know because you're having to tap into some extremely extremely dark territory and to be willing to like do that and represent like your craft in that way i think is just that's like heroes status. Take off your clothes. I don't like women giving me orders. I spit on your grave. What you are about to see did happen. your grave. This woman will soon cut, chop, break, and burn five men beyond recognition. And there isn't a jury in this country that will convict her. So my podcast is called I Spit on Your Podcast. <laughs> so that's obviously a reference to I Spit on Your Grave. <laughs> I love just like a play on words. I love references. So I, I came up with, with that one, which I think encapsulates what uh, my horror project, Spences of Horror, and definitely the, the, the podcast is all about. So our fifth episode actually was on the genre, the subgenre of rape revenge. And as a new project, again, that's five episodes in, we had such a wonderful podcast positive response to our what people thought was a very great and balanced discussion on that very controversial subject. So we kind of tackled the idea of like, are rape revenge films, are they feminist? Are they filth? Where are we in between? And we talked about I Spit on Your Grave, because that's like quintessential, and MFA as like a modernized version of a rape revenge film, but also it was done, written and directed by a woman. Right, which is important. <laughs> For sure. It's quite different, but you know, we get our sweet... Re- 
everybody gets their sweet revenge afterwards. So I find those films hugely empowering. And my co-host hadn't seen any of them up until that month that we did Rape Revenge. And then she saw three of them. And it was it was a tough month. And she is, you know, like you, a survivor of a variety of different unfortunate assaults and, and, and sexual abuse and, and issues like that. And she was really hesitant to, to venture into that subject matter. But then she found, though challenging for those, like challenging for her to watch those movies found them empowering but also very important to the discussion about rape rape culture and yeah showing that rape is not and sexual assault is not it's not glorified in these movies it's yeah like you said it's very honest it's very it's hard to watch which it should be and yeah she found it very cathartic and a lot of reading about women finding it very cathartic and like I thankfully have never experienced any of that but I find catharsis for the women in these movies I was like yes finally and they're, they're total fantasies which I love so that's a wonderful way to like put that and I want to see more women do that <laughs> mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and um, actually if I can uh, this would be the, yes. my first time publicly discussing this but you know I got to the end of the documentary and I and I love and appreciate everyone who participated in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is in no way what I'm about to say a slight on our interviewees, <laughs> you know, because they they, yeah. they gave us so much, you know. But I got to the end of this project and I was like, you know what sucks? <laughs> is that <laughs> there are a lot of women directing these movies. And mm. something that kind of had come out uh, a little bit with some of the people that we interviewed was the opinion that women just simply like weren't interested in that genre Hmm. or interested Hmm. in creating that, which, I mean, you and I know is like total bullshit. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And and so I was like, okay, you know, that's not accurate. And what can I do to make that not a thing anymore? (laughs) Because as much as I do love the extreme cinema genre, there are some scumbags in it. Mm -hmm. There are definitely like some men who have used it as an excuse to get actresses naked. And, you know, those movies don't have redemption in them you know it's just about like abusing women and like yeah. getting away with it you know and ooh, the director is also the star of it you know and they're doing all these things above the board and and it's skeevy and it's wrong and it's it's dumb you know and and mm-hmm. i hate that so much of modern extreme cinema has become associated with that so <laughs> i reached out to a new production company called vile video productions run by a gentleman who calls himself jonathan doe <laughs> and i was like hey how about I put together an anthology of extreme cinema and it's only women directing it. He was absolutely supportive, 100%. He's like, whatever you need, yes, 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 I will put that out, you know. And so I have started pre-production officially on a compilation called Fucked, which is, um, yeah, it's going to be five women filmmakers all doing, tackling the extreme subject matter at extreme cinema and their contributions to that. And my hope with it is that this is a genre that more women start to explore because you can do it for a very small budget. So you don't have that daunting task of trying to, you know, get to the gatekeepers, right, for your budget. Yeah. And you can really say a lot with it and I want to see more women's like voices represented in it so hopefully you know this will uh, inspire like more people so yeah that is actually what I'm currently like working on right now. 
I love it. That is fantastic. And yes, it's such a, a nonsense opinion to have that's very uninformed that women aren't in, interested in this type of, of film. Like m- over half of the horror fans are women. So of course there's <laughs> going to be a portion of them that enjoy these types of films. And of course, like, you know, there's merit in so many of these movies. So that's really exciting. I'm super stoked for it. And, um, you know, it's still, like I said, very early pre-production stages. So, you know, I'm in talks like with like a few filmmakers like right now, and I don't want to give out their names because obviously, you know, like we want to make sure everything's like, you know, set. I don't want to be like, so-and-so said they do this, you know, (laughs) know? but but the project is like a green lit. And I mean, I'm just very excited and it it is micro budget, which actually excites Mm -hmm. me too, because God knows there's like so many anthologies out there that (laughs) just are put out by, by do the same subject matter, yeah. you know, and I'm like, I, I think that the tables can turn a little bit like with it. So, yay, you know, I, I know women want to do it. And, and it's it's this funny thing, too, because like my question when whenever a guy would hit me with that, like, I don't think women are interested. I'm like, is it that they're not interested or is it that you haven't given them the opportunity? Have you not even asked them or are you just assuming? Because it's like I, I look and, you know, I'm a part of a lot of like extreme cinema forums and I'm like, there's a lot of women in here, a lot mm-hmm. of women, you know. And I would venture out that some of them would absolutely love to, like, be involved in in, in creating this, too, you know. So, yeah, that's my, like, exciting news drop for you. Excellent. I love it. We heard it here. Were there some people in the documentary that you really wanted to, to interview, going back to Beyond Horror, you didn't get a chance to? Like, were there, like, the top people where you're like, yeah, I definitely want to talk to these people, but you just, it just didn't end up working out? There are actually a couple names of people I'm still trying to chase down. Um, mm-hmm. And um, a lot of it was uh, timing. So we're releasing the extended cut in June. So there's already going to be some more interviews. Um, so Michael Maggot, who's another lovely human, going to be in that one. Uh, Marion Dora, the German film director, who's relatively anonymous. <laughs> I say relatively because if you Google search, you can find pictures of his face and what he does. But, you know, he, he tries yeah. to like <laughs> stay as anonymous as possible. And, and his interview was like very incredible as well and of course he's like I mean the master of just like brutal cinema that's just somehow shot so beautifully you're like this is the most foul thing ever but it's shot like academy award-winning picture so it's, yeah it's uh yeah, yeah it, so <laughs> he'll be in the extended cut but yeah there were a lot of people who we just uh, the, the timing didn't work out so we're actually wanting to do a volume two down the road and then hopefully that gives us like a little more time to get to like a serbian film just in general that's actually like mm-hmm. in my top five favorite movies even outside of extreme cinema and uh sergian of course like i want to talk to and um you know the timing hasn't quite worked out with him yet um he has another like very compelling story that i want to make sure gets properly documented because the things that he had to go through after he made that movie i mean because the you know a serbian film as i'm sure you know but like for listeners it it is like a a direct comment on the serbian government they uh they definitely like did not take kindly to that movie (laughs) 
<laughs> so uh, they got the metaphors and they were not into the metaphors. Um, so Sergian's yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, life, you know, uh, really took some crazy turns like after he made that. And so yeah. um, definitely want to try to provide like an opportunity for him to tell like that side of it. And also, I really want to talk to you like York for necromantic. Um, the, the timing didn't. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> it hasn't worked out for him yet. But like, you know, I really want to talk to him down the line as we like expand this project. Because, I mean, the necromantic movies are <laughs> amazing. And and their total skin and all this like stuff that he's done. So, um, yeah, I still have a few like, I see you over there. <laughs> and I, I want you to talk to me. <laughs> I would, I have to say, I would love a volume two. Because when I was done, I was just like... I want more. Why can't this be like a six hour documentary giving me more? And like I was writing down names and movies I hadn't seen yet because I mean, like I'm relatively new and I know that like even though it's such like a, a niche genre, it is deep and there's a lot of content in there. And so I'm like writing down names and movies I hadn't seen like that. That German Miriam that you mentioned I was like, oh, I don't even know who this person is. So not only am I going to do a review, but I'm like, oh, I've got some stuff I've got to watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's so much left. And, and we think that like also when it's all said and done, we, really, there's about three volumes worth of material because <laughs> um, yeah. we want to do one, too, where like we also focus more on like the, the visual effects, because obviously that's like a huge component to this and mm-hmm. um, touch on it like a little bit. But like there's a lot more that you can like say for like, you know, the, the creation and use of like realistic like body parts and how that all plays in. And so. Yeah, um, definitely, like, there's going to be more to this project. <laughs> and and I hope in that time that I can, like, uh, convince a couple other people to, to share their stories with me. <laughs> yes, I, I'm sure you will, especially when they see just the quality of, of Beyond Horror, because it's not at all exploitative. Again, I think it's it just shows the nuance in the subgenre, and it's very balanced, it's very honest, and just shows articulate, fascinating human beings behind it. So I love that about it. And like, it would have been very easy to go the exploitation route where you're just like, this is so crazy. And just do these like key sexy words from these creators and just made it into something just trashy. But you did it. You made it incredibly human. And I just I love that so much about it. Thank you so much. Like it, that was so important to us because um, I mean, as people who watch like a lot of documentaries, you know, we're, we're well aware of like your position as a documentary filmmaker and, and how you really can like manipulate narratives. <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, we just weren't interested in that, you know, and we wanted to like play these like clips you know like in in really big chunks so you really got like a sense of person you know and so I really really appreciate you saying that and especially like when we got down to like the Lucifer Valentine which of course is probably like our most controversial filmmaker you know who we we interviewed Mm -hmm. um because even people who are into this stuff like some people are just like oh my god what you know when they they watch his movies and of course he really protects his identity there's actually not a lot of people who know who that is in real life and we had to sign 
non-disclosure agreements and everything and marcus ha- has done special effects in his movies before but like I, like i don't i don't know his face you know and i don't right. i don't know who he is you know and stuff and so and he's he's very very secretive of it because his work is like what it's exploring and that's yes. re- that's really not something you want co-workers finding out and, and stuff so yeah so with wow. his you know he was like okay i'm gonna like send me your questions you know and i will address hit all the points um but i'll record my voice and then you can use that so even like within just interviewing him you know there was like this layer right of like protection for Mm -hmm. the artist and you know we we got that clip and we're like we kind of don't even want to break this up (laughs) yet you know like it actually like works to hear him just talk about his films you know in that unbroken up (laughs) segment so we just like let that rip we're like okay you know we'll do a few things like leading up to it but then we're just gonna like let this man like say what he has to say and honestly like for me as a filmmaker it's like one of my like favorite parts because here's a man who like rarely does interviews definitely like cloaked in mystery definitely has films that like really go there you know and Mm -hmm. people have a lot of opinions like about his movies and it was just like really cool to like have that and he gave like a great interview you know and has been so supportive like of the project too and, and very like encouraging about it so yeah, Lucifer Valentine. It, it was <laughs> it was cool. That know? was a beautiful part. Like his narration over top of that incredibly disturbing imagery was. I was just. I need to like. I'm gonna rewatch it a few times. But definitely that part. I thought, what just happened? <laughs> this like he has such a nice voice to you. So I'm like, oh, he's like soothing me, and I'm so fascinated by his story. But then also my eyes are being visually attacked right now and I just I don't even know what's even happening which I think is a very positive thing it's complimentary <laughs> <laughs> and that's why we kind of also wanted to stick it like towards the end too so people yeah. kind of are like lulled into like the film and it's like well uh, too late to turn back now you know, <laughs> 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 you know? <laughs> so um, yeah it's it's great and it, it's been great to like just know him a little bit better in that like process too because he isn't like this depraved maniac you know Mm -hmm. like I mean there's a real reason and motivation behind what he's doing and the actresses like as well like are all willing participants in it and it's just it's a very like extreme visceral art form and it's kind of incredible that there's somebody out there who's doing that I think because definitely not something that everyone like wants to explore and and I think that we're kind of in society we sort of got on this like track of like making like very sanitized things and trying to appeal to as many people as possible and I, and that's like across the board in all art forms and it's actually kind of a breath of fresh air whether you're super into it or not to know that there are still artists out there that are willing to push an envelope and, and explore things because art is exploratory art is a comment on a pre-existing condition you know and like really rolling with that and not that many people will do 
that. And it's cool that he does. Agreed. And yeah, you touched on something that I'd written down in my notes for sure that I loved, which was, and I think it was the gentleman, I'm sorry, I, I forget his name, but I did write it down. He runs Unearthed Films. I think that's essentially what he said. He's like, so much of like the main, mainstream cinema and mainstream horror and stuff like that. Yeah, that word sanitized, like it's just so clean. And, you know, part of the reason why some people want to, they turn to these movies is that you get that visceral reaction. Like you just actually react to it at all. And I thought that was incredibly interesting, very insightful and just, you know, something that I want to explore as well. And I think that's one of the main reasons why I love those types of films, because it does get a true reaction out of you. It's not like as much as I love watching, you know, Insidious and The Conjuring and the new It and stuff like that. I don't get as much of a reaction out of myself. You know what I mean? And these are just, yeah, the crossing boundaries, pushing the envelope, like you said. And I just, I really appreciate what these people create. You're actually feeling something. And yes. um, yep. yeah, uh, Stephen Byro, uh, yeah, from uh, from Unearth. What he's doing is incredible because he's giving like a real home to these movies. Being in filmmaking for like 18 years now, um, so many distributors are just kind of out there to like screw people over or they'll shelve things or they, they, they don't care. They just, they simply don't care about what they're putting out. And Steven is one of the few who actually does care about the genre, you know, and wants to mm-hmm. see it be like successful and like takes care of his people and like will take a chance on like films that really don't have any other place and kind of gives like a platform like now to filmmakers who are like maybe don't have like the resources to like really project themselves as highly yet and like unearth films kind of comes in and picks up these films and it, it's awesome you know so yeah Steven's doing incredible work in, in this genre <laughs> and I'm so glad he is and I'm so glad he's here that was a, a great addition as well so Beyond Horror got you and your partner best director at a film festival recently what was that like that was surreal <laughs> oh my gosh like so Nightmares Film Festival of course um, carries a wonderful reputation and it was kind of like when you're submitting films um, I don't I'm not one of these filmmakers who will like um, actually just widespread submit my film to everything. I try to think about where I'm turning it into, right? You know, Mm -hmm. and make sure that it already kind of fits with the programming and what they're what they're into. Because I'm like, I'm not going to waste people's time, you know, (laughs) with stuff that they're they're not going to be interested in. But uh, Nightmares Film Festival was like one of those that I'm like, oh man, it would be like so cool to get into that one, you know, because it's it's very professionally run. You're screening in a beautiful theater like the projection is incredible the notoriety is like really good I mean it's just a very slick awesome film festival they do it the right way and so I was like well all right we weren't done with our film yet and I I approached uh, the festival director Jason Tosevin and I was just like hey so we're making this documentary and and Jason like already knew (laughs) you know about the doc and stuff and he's like yeah yeah. And I'm like, so um, it's not quite done yet, but we really would love to premiere it at Nightmares. Would you be interested in it if we can get you a rough cut? And Jason was just like, you get me a rough cut by this date. We are absolutely like interested. And so Marcus like basically didn't sleep for three weeks <laughs> and, and finished it up. And we got it to Jason and Jason very graciously was just like, OK, yes, yes 
yes, yes. We're going to, this inn is like a world premiere, um, yeah. which was awesome. So already we're just like, holy shit, we get to have our world premiere at this like amazing film festival. And that was like enough. We're already like on cloud nine. And then we got like nominated for best director and we're like, oh shit, like a nomination. That's really cool. You know, again, not mm-hmm. like thinking we're going to win, <laughs> you know, but just sort of like, <laughs> that's like so awesome. They're very generous. And then like we get to that and, and like we were like sitting there in the audience and they call our names and like Marcus is like kind of like looking around and I was like it's us like we want that you know (laughs) so it was it was surreal and it it just meant like so much you know um because those are like our peers it's run by filmmakers themselves you know and uh who are into this like kind of stuff and so it, it just it was an incredible feeling and it really meant like a lot to us and extremely validating excellent I well congratulations that's definitely well deserved well thank you I appreciate that a subject that we uh my co-host jess and i have discussed in our our podcast i spin in your podcast is the backlash that female horror fans get so comments of oh how could you watch that and <laughs> you know that stuff is terrible it's just trash it's almost similar things to you know what people think about metal music and we both really love that too um, <laughs> nice a lot of overlap between that because i think people don't really get it they just look at it at like face value without you know seeking and understanding what what's underneath feel people thinking that we're just weird and again those like leches of society that would only watch horror so you yourself being a woman and obviously being a fan of dark and extreme cinema what kind of backlash have you received if any oh my gosh like tons of backlash like (laughs) it's and you're also like in the film industry so there's that too my goodness there's times if i can be like just really super super honest that like i feel like the criticism comes like from both ends because <laughs> like on one hand just being in the film industry there are a lot of unique challenges like when you're a woman there are you know and I mean that's just simply like how it is and anyone who says there isn't is just lying or doesn't know what they're talking about mm-hmm. um, and, and it really what it stems from is uh, and I know I've used this term already but it's like gatekeeping type stuff and yeah. I think sometimes people just simply aren't aware of what they're gatekeeping and they let their friends in and they don't let anybody else in and uh, and that's a challenge and it's really hard and so you're already like kind of up against that like in your industry and weirdly enough even when your industry is just like micro budget cinema you wouldn't think that it would happen in micro budget cinema because it's like literally what are we even all chomping for you know like it's like not even Mm -hmm. million dollar budgets but like but it still exists in there and there's still like a weird pecking order that exists in it so it's like okay you gotta like fight for that and fight to be recognized so in weird ways like so like when we announced like the documentary it's always said jesse sites and marcus cook and marcus has always said you know it's jesse sites and marcus cook directing it and so many people just assumed it was Marcus directing it even when it was like written down you know and they're like oh Marcus's movie and like no matter how many times he corrects them or I correct them it was like information was getting like put out to the public that it was somehow just Marcus directing the movie and it was weird it was so weird and like I've had people come up to me and ask me like if I've seen a movie that I was a producer and writer on before you know and it's like this weird like invisibility thing and I don't know what that is I wish I did so I could like try to help like (laughs) correct that problem more but it's heartbreaking right because you're already like working your ass off and then people are just like who are you oh by the way have you seen this movie you're like yeah yeah actually it turns out I have
I've seen that movie and like helped create it, you know? Um, so in that spectrum, you have that, you know, and which is like ridiculous and, and dumb, but just like happy. And then on the other end of it, <laughs> there's like <laughs> a weird thing with, I mean, as, as you know, as a, as a woman, like feminism is already like complicated, right? Because, yeah. and it has a complicated history that's not all good. And yeah. um, it, there's definitely worse things than like what I've experienced through it, but it's not always the most understanding of movements. I'll like just put it that way. Or the most accepting of different like viewpoints, even from people who are women or non-binary. And I've just, there were a lot of times like when I was first starting out, the people who were self-proclaimed feminists just absolutely hated that I was like participating in this stuff. And when I was like younger, you know, I was like acting in it and did like a lot of like gore modeling, you know, and like just did all the stuff that was like really exploring violence. And I mean, I had women tell me that I was just like betraying like a feminist movement that I never said I was a part of anyway, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and just like total hate for it. And even after I would try to explain, you know, oh no, this is like good, you know, and this is empowering. Like they, they just like weren't hearing it. And so yeah. it puts you in like a weird position with that stuff. And, and I don't really have a good explanation as to why it is like that, like on either side. Yeah. Because it definitely like shouldn't be <laughs> like that. Um, I think that it's, it seems as if now in the current incarnation of feminism that they are starting to be more accepting of like extreme artwork once again because even that ebbs and flows right you, yeah, you had like Lid sure. Lydia Lunch was like touted as a feminist and she's you know very extreme person mm -hmm. um, but then mm -hmm. somehow we like lost that and then I feel like it's like resurfacing like once again and which is good because like that movement is important like feminism is very important but in order for it to like continue and to be productive it has to be like inclusive and it has to be intersectional and um obviously i mean like that could be its own podcast like breaking apart like <laughs> what they need to do to be more yeah. like less just white women running every but a, a sliver of that includes like understanding that some people like express themselves in like very different ways and that even if that's not how you express yourself or that's not something that you're specifically like interested in there's ways of still like being supportive of people and uplifting mm -hmm. them and, and trying to at least like meet like in the middle of that and so hopefully that continues to like become like more like of a thing where people just give people space to express themselves and to be into what yeah. they're into and be supportive even if it's like not your thing because it's definitely not for everybody <laughs> you know mm -hmm. and, and, and mm -hmm. I believe um, I, I'm actually one of these artists that does believe in like content warnings of things it's like, I don't want to expose anybody to something that I make or even the documentary if they're not trying to see that yeah. because that's just rude. <laughs> you know, everybody has like different triggers and, and different ways they process things. And so I'm not just like, you better look at this, blah, you know. <laughs> um, so and yeah. it, it hurts nothing to say like, hey, look, this has like stuff in it that you might not want to see. And it's OK to have like that conversation like with people. But um, yeah, <laughs> sorry, that was like a really long winded, complicated like answer. <laughs> Sir, but I guess in, in the summation, yeah, it definitely like the critique comes at like both ends, and it never stops me. Like, I'm a very tenacious, no, no, self-aware person, <laughs> you know. So I just keep plowing through it. But like, I want it to be better, like on both sides. Like, I just really want it to be better.
Yeah, me too. And I am sorry that that has been your experience. And and, and sadly, I mean, you're not the only one that has experienced that. So it's, uh, I'm hoping with you that, uh, that was such a great answer too. I'm hoping that things do change. And I mean, when it comes down to it, it's all about choice. And you're choosing, you know, to follow your dreams and do everything you want to do. Because as a woman in this day and age, in 2020, you can do what you want. And you're going to do it. And you should have the freedom to do that, despite what anybody says or thinks or what they want to do. You're right. It's not for everyone, but yes, we all should be supportive. And that includes other women being, you know, being supportive of women. So great answer. Agreed. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. So your documentary, like I've said, is it just it brings a, a face, but particularly and most importantly, a voice to the people that create and enjoy extreme horror, dark cinema and that type of thing. And this interview is kind of a portion of that as well, showing that you are this compassionate, interesting human being underneath and behind the camera. You know what I mean? And in front of it, I guess, <laughs> <laughs> you know, yes, you're not a lech of society. And I'm hoping that this helps show people and your documentary helps show people that exist exact thing that they're not stop falling into stereotypes of folks that like these movies because I am also not a lech of society <laughs> so it's you know here we are okay the last question is you already kind of mentioned uh, this new anthology you're working on but if there's anything else that you can talk about that you're working on or hoping to work on once the world kind of resumes to normalcy I think you do have a new website I think it was like a, a book review website was it sleepover club yes <laughs> uh, the sleepover club review um so that is like it's something I've wanted to do like forever and just never had the time. <laughs> and, and now I do. <laughs> so yeah. uh, basically uh, what that is, and hopefully it'll like first, you know, entries will be um, next week is uh, it's just me taking like these books that from like the, the teen horror um, boom in the eighties and nineties, you know, it's like Christopher Pike, R.L. Stein, you know, all that oh like, great stuff, Lois yeah. Duncan, you know, <laughs> and, and just like reviewing them and just like, looking at them in like this new like fun way and just sharing my collection I currently have like probably somewhere around like 300 of those paperbacks oh my goodness gracious I'm jealous so I've kind of like been hoarding them you know and I just I love it I love just that whole feeling and um what I hope to also do with like the project is also just kind of like touch on these nostalgic things as a way of almost like preservation too because like we don't really have arcades anymore we really don't have malls like kids don't get to hang out in malls anymore like they used to Mm -hmm. that's like banned in most malls and uh just kind of bring back that stuff and just like look at it like with like a gentle nostalgia and also as a way of just being like yeah this used to exist and this is what this was like all about and so it's just my like love letter to to childhood and (laughs) like like that kind of stuff and um it's super fun and i know a couple other people have been like uh diving into it too of course like grady hendrix did the incredible uh my best friend's exorcism Mm -hmm, (laughs) and mm -hmm. and which was so good and like totally like nailed it and then paperbacks from hell which just goes into just paperback horror (laughs) and so yeah it's kind of just me showing off my collection and um, hopefully i'll have like a couple like uh guest book reviewers too um (laughs) excellent sharing their like love of that so um yeah i'm i'm working on that and uh and right now that's that's about it (laughs) and then that's fair patiently waiting to see what happens with everything else 
Yeah. At least, I mean, with the website, something like that, that's something you could do with the comfort and cozy and safety of your own home and some more creative, fun content for you to do. Yeah. And just something fun. I think like all of us could probably just use something fun right now. Agreed. Okay. Where can our listeners find you on social media or your production company or whatever kind of social media plugs that you have for us? Yes. The two easiest, um, because I I have like a million pages, as everybody always does for their projects but uh the two <laughs> the two most like streamlined things um me on instagram under jesse sites is spooky all one word <laughs> and um from there i have like links to my other instagram accounts up in the bio and then on facebook uh 9393 pictures and uh we we keep pretty current with that one so <laughs> it'll tell all about like our screenings once those get back up and then our next documentary that we kind of have in the works so <laughs> Excellent. Well, this has been a real spooky treat, Jesse. So thank you so much for taking time out of, I was going to say, your busy day. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's kind of busy. I've got like a bunny cage to clean and, you know, oh. <laughs> like a dog to walk. So, yeah, it's a busy day. <laughs> hang out with the pets. Um, perfect. <laughs> yeah. And I hope to see more of your work in the future. And again, beyond horror, the history and subculture of red films is the documentary and folks please check it out and this is going to be released in may so hopefully by that time um do you think people will be able to buy it or is it more of like a pre-order situation uh for may it's when the pre-orders go out and then um because we still have like a few screenings it won't be like the physical copy won't be publicly available until sometime like in the fall is what we're aiming for. So our backers will totally like get their copies, you know, first because they were awesome and super generous. <laughs> and then um, mm-hmm. we're just kind of like waiting around to see like what other screens like that we can get. Everything sort of got a little cattywampus there. So we're looking at yeah. like a public release like yet yeah, in the fall. Excellent. Well, definitely looking forward to it. And again, thank you so, so much. Thank you so much. This was awesome. <laughs> and that was our interview with Jesse Seitz. So thank you very much again, Jesse, for that fantastic conversation about extreme horror, our thoughts and feelings on everything, and her experience creating the documentary. I'm hoping to do more Taboo Terrors interviews in the future, so stay tuned for that. Stay grim, everyone. <laughs>